You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. Welcome to this episode of the Business of Practice podcast, where we focus on the business and human sides of equine veterinary medicine. In this episode, Stephanie Vassar, VMD, CVMMP, talks about remote staff and equine practice. I'm your host, Kim Brown, editor of Equimanagement. The Business of Practice podcast is brought to you in 2023 by CareCredit. Dr. Vassar founded Great Falls Equine and Veterinary Services in Massachusetts in 2015. She received her veterinary medical degree from the University of Pennsylvania School of Veterinary Medicine with a focus on equine and large animal medicine at the New Bolton Center. Dr. Vassar completed the Equine Veterinary Medical Manipulation Certification course at the Integrated Veterinary Medical Institute in Florida. Dr. Vassar is also trained in equine acupuncture through the Chi Institute. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Vassar. Thanks for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Well, tell me a little about yourself and your practice. Um, So I grew up in Western Massachusetts um, and also ended up returning here to start my practice um, with my husband and both of our families are around here. Um, And that was in 2015 after I couldn't get a job around here in equine practice. Um, So, you know, just fresh two years out of school, I launched my own practice and so far in the last eight years, it's grown. Um, I have two young children. Colton is six years old and Hank is four. And those have been produced during this practice time. Uh, wow. And have been along with us. And as I've started this solo journey and having the kids, I have created a work schedule and also employing help to help me balance the best way to be a mom and also be successful Um in practice. And I, I'm excited to share that. Well, how did you decide you needed help? At what point did, was it like, I got to get something body. So what happened is I had my first child. So um, <laughs> we couldn't get a daycare spot until he was six months old. So he actually ended up coming on the road with us after um, a short eight week maternity leave stint. Um, and then I hired a, um, a handler that was at an appointment that kind of overrepresented their equine handling skills. And that came to fruition as we, um, as we were working together. But then that led me to the point that there were people looking for part-time work. And I had um, a part-time assistant that has now developed into um, having two assistants on the road with me currently. Um, If we rewind a little bit in there, I used to have, Um, one assistant on the road and they would also do remote work on two days a week um, because we actually just schedule appointments on Mondays, Tuesdays, and Thursdays. Wednesdays and Fridays are emergency only or bumps, which allows us to schedule Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday pretty heavily and not have to leave those urgent care spots because we can bump somebody throughout the week, leaving us a little bit of wiggle room. So to be able to maintain an employee, I offered remote hours to catch up on cogins and emails and things like that on Wednesdays and Fridays. Um, and then as we've gotten busier and um, one of my technicians went on maternity leave, um, we've, we found that I needed more help. And um, I was looking for a short term temp solution or also trying to find if somebody could support me that wasn't immediately local. OK, so. What kind of skill set, what kind of help were you looking for when you said, okay, I I needed somebody, you know, 
to help me? So what I needed was somebody to um, add the office efficiency back. So calling people back, texting people, responding to emails, gathering the new client forms, uh, data entry, sending back lab work so that it was sent back promptly as long as it was interpreted or and just open communication with me um, to, to see what else I needed. The person that I hired evolved um, in terms of what her skill set was, but basically I needed somebody that was well-organized, task-oriented, and go through a list. Um, I was lucky enough to make an SOP kind of and task list for what I did need for them. Um, and mostly it was just getting that nitty gritty that I could do in a half an hour if I sat down and had a half an hour, but I, I didn't. And also freeing up the time so that I could be more in tune with staying on top of my medical records. Yeah, that's great. So how did you find somebody? And and I have to say that, that and we're going to give credit where credit's due. Dr. Amy Grice, you were in her first decade one group and she's the one that that said oh you've got to talk to dr vassar about this because she found a unique solution so how did you find someone so i actually used um and there is no sponsorship through this uh an online platform called the mom project and what the mom project is is it uh it is kind of a reverse indeed but it in terms of their, they collect the talent first. So there's all these members that have joined to put their resumes on, et cetera. And you post the job um, and people can apply. So, and then they also offer short-term contracts through them. Um, So you can say, I just need a temp person for three months, or I need a person for for this project. And you can just hire that person out for the project. Say you're changing over from, uh, written medical records, you needed all your patients entered into a new platform. You could try and find somebody to outsource that just for two weeks or whatever. Um, so what I did is I posted a job um, for uh, 10 to 20 hours per week on there. Um, they do have a minimum uh, hourly rate because they're trying to employ um or they're trying to make it worth the applicant's while. So it's not necessarily minimum wage, but it, it, that kind of also weeds out the talent pool and makes it a little bit uh, higher skill set than just regular entry level. And um, I posted a job on a Friday evening. By the morning, I had 31 applicants. And by Monday morning, I had 221. Um, and it was most of the applicants um, and what the mom tr- project bases itself on is having kind of a no questions asked for a, a gap in your employment. So say you were stayed at home to take care of your children and took four to six years to return to work. There's no questions about that. You you already were um, have your degree. You already showed that you could work, but you took the time off or an, an illness or or the pandemic also made a lot of people change what their jobs were. So there's a And also how people were looking to work and trying to get into remote work. Um, So from those 221, I searched through and found anybody that uh, addressed horse experience or um, vet tech experience and knew what they were kind of getting into. Because as we know, when you're telling somebody to send a Coggins or um, to be familiar with vaccines or joint injections, it's a it's a different world. But luckily, there are a lot of people that have written a lot of people have had vet bills and they know what, what they're getting into. Um, so from there, I, I interviewed I think there are about 20 that mentioned horses and then I interviewed five. 
Um, and I actually hired the first one that I had interviewed. Um, and she has a bachelor's in bio, bio, biochemistry, um, and has been an admin for other, um, industries. She was mostly in life insurance. Um, but she had elect, didn't want to, and couldn't afford to send her kids to daycare and school. Um, it wasn't worth the expense of daycare to send her children to school to have a part-time job to, to work that. So, um, yeah, that's how I found her. And it was, she actually ended up working out very nicely. And how long has she worked for you? Um, she started working for me in July and I put her on a three month temp, um, contract through the mom project. The mom project builds you, and so it's similar to a 1099. So they 1099 the contractor. Mm-hmm. So it's just an expense that way through you. So you actually don't have to do any payroll um, that you just have to pay the invoice. There is a markup on it, which I found was a little, um, a little obnoxious for a small business to have to absorb, but it was worth it in terms of what we got done that way and her efficiency. Um, so basically I offer her about two hours Per day, you, she's been getting most of the work done in an hour, um, and it just kind of supplements. And it, it's been nice to add on other projects as well, such as we need to really revamp our inventory. We need to learn how to use the um, online controlled drug logs, which is called VetSnap. She integrated that into our system, and also using that Cove to really help with inventory management as well. So somebody in the outskirts that's learning your business has been really good. Um, things she doesn't do. She does not touch my QuickBooks at all. Um, she doesn't have access or she can run reports if I need it, but, but really, um, any payments or anything like that, um, are controlled within our practice management software. Um, she does obviously have access to that and I can't, don't have immediate oversight, but I don't see how that would change if she was in my office and I wasn't there versus being, um, actually in Mississippi. The Business of Practice podcast is brought to you by Care Credit. Care Credit keeps equine veterinarians at the heart of care by providing horse owners with simple, budget friendly financing options. By bridging the gap between cost and care, Care Credit supports healthy financial relationships between veterinarians and their clients. It can help them move forward with care a horse needs whenever and wherever it's needed. So she is based in Mississippi and you're in Massachusetts. Yeah. <laughs> um, so tell me, how is it working if they live in another state? Can you even tell a difference? The only thing that I can tell is that I get up really early. So I get up at 5 a.m. That's 4 a.m. her time. I have to hold back on whatever um, I'm sending over <laughs> or or how I'm doing it to acknowledge. And she's also not an early riser. So try, trying to be around that um, and and. And in that same tune, uh, she works at a different hours than I necessarily work, but the work is still getting done as long as there's yeah. checks and balances. And well, that's good through, to know. And through my payroll, um, she, I, I ended the the mom project con- contract. I ended the mom project contract, and I put her on my regular payroll, which was helpful. Um, and also cheaper for me in some ways, I'm still paying all the other taxes, but I'm not paying a fee to, uh, another business. Oh, 
that's well, yeah, well, that's a good kind of a nice way to get your feet wet, I guess. Yeah. So, so I mean, I'm I'm going to ask if there's any advice for other solo practitioners who might want to do something like this, but you've already helped at least one other person like this. Yes. So tell us about that. Um, so I uh, use Dr. Zaytonian um, from Starwood Equine and her um, her business practice. Also, I consulted with her on some certain things and I shared how I found my admin and she actually successfully also found an admin through the mom project. And it's definitely a change in how you think of a worker and where they need to be. You need to accept that people can get things done at home without direct oversight. Um, and that can be a shift for some generations, but I don't have the overhead of heating my office <laughs> higher than 60 degrees. I don't have, um, to keep the lights on. I, she, all I did was send a computer, um, and she clocks her hours through, uh, through our square payroll app. So she clocks in off through a time card app, um, when she's doing things. There's obviously some rough edges to that that I accommodate for because of her efficiency and her availability um, that but just kind of doesn't need that oversight. And I think with our workforce now and how it's changed, um, that this can be very helpful to other people and that you don't need to provide a full time job to somebody. They are looking for a few hours while their kids are at school. They only have this amount of time to do or they have multiple jobs where they can get this done as well as something else. Um, for example, the five other applicants that I interviewed, um, one was a retiree that takes care of the horses at the horse barn next door, has always been involved in horses. Everybody always says they assist the vet whenever they come, et cetera. Um, so, you know, I would have had to train her a little bit more, I think, but she, she was very eager and willing to give me whatever hours I wanted or when I needed. Um, another one was uh, a woman who, she did say that her only real obligation is taking her dogs for a walk and feeding the seven stray cats. <laughs> that she had in the yard and that may have been a red flag for me so I, I declined on that one but also was uh previously um an equine vet tech so she oh. just she had relocated to florida and that's where she was working so that would have been a great um person as well i think um and one other woman was um she ran a boarding facility um, and was on top of her boarding facility. She just wanted some other work to, to do along with that. But um, she was, in my opinion, overextended because she also ran a nonprofit. So um, uh. I, I, that's the only reason why I really didn't go with her. Um, so the, I, I had some great candidates. I had to do some work looking through it. Uh, I would say three out of the five had um, bachelor's degrees. So I think that also sets people apart and I think also looking at um, what we're looking for is mainly efficiency, somebody that's a go a self-starter and there might be some trial and error with it um, in terms of finding the right person. But I think that happens when they're in your office as well. Yeah, I would agree. Well, is there anything else that you would advise uh, a colleague uh, if they were looking for someone remotely, any tips? I mean, not where to find them, but maybe just managing them. Um, it's open communication. So the we use the Grasshopper app on our phone, so um, everybody can see where the um, the message is coming in, who's calling, who's texting, as well as um, we use uh, our practice management software is better. So it's all remote. 
we are pretty much paperless. So everything is easy to get there. There's some accountability on my part that I share things when they happen that, um, that I follow up on things as well. Um, we use the shared note app for things that need to get done um, on a list so that I don't have to bother her at 5 a.m. when I'm cranking through some stuff or catching up. Um, so there is some effort on your part to make sure that it does work, but it can be very helpful. Um, and there are certain things that I don't need to worry about at the end of the day. Um, and so, for example, she does the inventory through VetCove, making sure that that's all lined up on a remote end. We're responsible for the counting. Um, she helps with the drug control log where she reconciles the invoices versus what the log should say. We look at the actual volumes and have to be in charge of the recording. So as long as we're doing our job, it makes her job easier and a little bit more seamless. But like I said, it's it, it's just as much us making it work than just relying on this other person and um, written SOPs really help. So how to do global vet link, she can put an entire Coggins in for us um, as long as I put the pictures in and have the right information on the horse. Um, forms, making sure that our online forms work well. We use a lot of Google forms for practice um, for patient intake information and client intake information to make sure that it's all accessible. So if we're using paper forms, it's a lot harder than if we're using these online forms. So it's more of a transition to being paperless and completely remote where we have very minimal time in our office, which is just the back of my barn. Um, and it, it's been working very well. That's great. And you keep saying us. Who is us? Um, so I, I think I always say us just to make Great Falls Equine seem bigger than myself, but I have a great team um, as well. So <laughs> it's kind of imposter syndrome, I think, from the beginning, but <laughs> that I would always say we or us or anything like that. But um, I do have two technicians on the road. I have Kylie. She's a certified um, vet tech. And then my other um, assistant, she is Anna, and she is also a um, she's just an assistant, but she has great um, great skill set to bring to the board. So they work with me in person on Mondays, Tuesdays, and Thursdays. And those days we usually pack full, taking advantage of geographics and making sure that we can get as much done in those days. And like I mentioned before, we would bump things. Um, they are accessible in some ways on those Wednesdays and Fridays, but we are going hard on those three appointment days that it would lead to burnout if we had to work five days or even the four days yeah. um, fully. Okay. Is there any other advice that you have for solo practitioners who want to stay solo practitioners? They don't want to sell. They don't want to, don't, don't really need a whole new vet. Any other advice you would have for them? I think some of the biggest feedback that I've seen online and some of the Facebook groups and also hearing from people is that they fall behind on the invoicing or they fall behind on the notes and having a remote person that has a list that part of their job is to say, check in with me to make sure that we got everything done for the day. Or can you call Sally and see how Peaches is doing? Um, I forgot. And just being able to take that off your plate makes it more sustainable. And also this stuff can get done between 5 and 8 p.m. from somebody else that has that time versus yourself um, and, and stretching yourself thin that way. Also, I recognize 
the emergency coverage can be an issue at times for solo practitioners. Um, and I only recently started sharing on call in this eight years um, because I felt like being able to manage one vet worth of emergencies was better than seeing other clinics, um, non-curated clientele. I've worked very hard to have good paying clients being very familiar, requiring my wellness exams so that when I did show up for emergencies, I knew what Peaches had been doing. I knew that the farrier was there. And rather than being blindsided with, well, we've been sitting on this for four days or it seemed like she was neurologic for a week, you know, those types of things that I can't, I can't really control if it's somebody else. So um, know that it, and also being very strong in your booking in your when your appointment times are and people can accommodate people take time off to go to dentist appointments they can take time off to see you before 5 p.m. and make sure that you're home by 5 p.m. That's a good point. Thank you so much, Dr. Vassar. I think this is going to influence quite a few people on expanding what they think of when they think of getting some help. And we want to thank our audience for joining us on the Business of Practice podcast. And a big thanks to our sponsor, Care Credit, for letting us have these conversations. And we invite you to visit equimanagement.com or your favorite podcast network to hear each episode of the Business of Practice. And if you have any questions or suggestions, send an email to me at kbrown, that's the letter K Brown, at equinenetwork.com. The Business of Practice podcast is a production of the Equine Podcast Network, an entity of the Equine Network, LLC. Thank you.